making the sun to shine, putting the stars in the sky for the flowers that bloom, the ocean so blue. Thank you, Lord, for the sparrow that sings. It makes sweet melody for the rivers that flow, the rain and the snow. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole. For saving my soul, thank you, Lord. For my home and family, for life's joys that you've given me, the shoes on my feet, plenty to eat, thank you, Lord. For this church to worship and pray. Today, sweet spirit, I feel your presence so real. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend so dear, giving my sad heart cheer. For holding my hand when I could not stand. Thank you, Lord, for giving your life for me. On the cross of Calvary, for taking my place, your mercy and grace. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole. For saving my soul, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for making me whole. For saving my soul, thank you, Lord.
I appreciate that, hey Cox. Appreciate the work again of the church this this week, and no doubt um, coming into coming into the rest of this week, you've had to somewhat come back to normal a little bit, and that's what I'm going to preach about this morning. And um, we read there a little bit in our Bible reading, just something that happened in Moses's life that I think if we recognize it. It uh, really happens in our lives week to week and, and even times when we, we've had a, a, a touch of the Lord a little bit and um, I hope that you felt that this week. hope that you, as you reflect, you've, you've just recall a little bit of what God has done. Um, I certainly had a great time just fellowshipping with uh, our brethren from across the, um, across the country and even some from across the seas, just getting to know some. I made new friends this week. Got to, um, got to meet different people and, and really got a sense that the Lord was with us. And of course, during the course of the, the week, the preaching was, uh, was timely. The Lord used that in, in all lives through the course of the week. And we can sort of look at the, those kinds of weeks as, as weeks that we wish would continue and continue. And I, one of the things that a lot of the, our guests, they... They said, heading out, they said, oh, I wish, I wish it was longer. And I, I was conflicted when they said that, you know. I just said, in one way, yes, but I knew the, the amount of work that it, that it involved. And, um, and they, there is, there's times like that in our lives where there's just a, just a special time and we want it to continue and continue. And no doubt um, the, 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 the time here that Moses spent with, with the Lord in Mount Sinai, it would have been one of those times in his life. Water in your hand. And there, as we read, the, the, the very words of God, the very writings of God are in your hand. And we have that today, don't we? But there, Moses, in those two tablets of stone, God had a special dealing in, in Moses' life right there, that God, he was with God face to face, as it were. And God wrote those, those commandments on the tablets of stone. And we see this this. Tremendous time in Moses' life, but you know the saying, what goes up must come down. And that's what happened in Moses' life. He had this mountaintop experience, he had this special time with the Lord, and yet he had to come down. He had to go down the mountain. I'm going to call this, there's this phenomena that, that is observed in different disciplines, in economics, in psychology, in academics, and even athletics. It's this term called regression to the mean. And I'm not saying mean as in like a mean person. I'm talking about the average. And regression to the mean is simply experiencing an extreme outcome, then followed by a result that's closer to the average output. And, you know, you could be someone who's been involved in some sort of sport and maybe one particular game, you just seemed like you, could, you couldn't miss a shot. It just seemed like you were doing all and it was the greatest game you could play and then the very next game hit nothing, right? You've gone back. It's a regression to the mean. Uh, a business may make a first quarter profit of a million dollars, and and don't forget to tithe, by the way. And next quarter they make two hundred sixty thousand, and you know that's what that is. It's regression to the mean. And we could look at it though as a church, and we could look at the week that we've just had, and we ought, to, we ought to be joyful. We ought to thank God. I hope that you've taken some time to give God some praise this week. Right? I hope we have. But we could come in a church like us. We could 
have a, a great big week of just people coming and people being here and, and the Lord evidently working and we could have a great time and we could wish it lasted longer and longer and then we come and it's Sunday and it's the same people that we've seen for uh, 20 odd years, uh, some of us, and, and you might look at that and you might go, well, that's a little underwhelming. But that's the reality, isn't it? You come back to, to real highs in our lives of, of great, uh, great memorable times, uh, victorious times, and we can look at all of those and the reality is what goes up must come down. There's the, the regression to the mean and, and you know, that, that spiritually speaking, we've got to observe it, there is a danger for us in that time of coming back to the norm. You know, there's times when we experience just great highs spiritually only to come back to the norm. And I want to tell you, it's at these times that we've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard ourselves. You know, it could be that it's just every, that there's certain Sundays you may be touched by the message today and you may have been touched by a message and you, you're helped, you're convicted and you, there's a spiritual, uh, there's just a spiritual victory there, a spiritual uh, awakening in your heart and if we don't manage our regression to the mean tomorrow, we could, we could quickly become discouraged and despondent. Because you know as well as I do, after a week like we've had, you, you have so much that you, you can thank God for. And then the next day, you know what is still there? Those things that you left at the beginning of the week. Those things that you normally have to grind through. Those things that you now have to prepare for. And before long, if we're not careful, we don't manage that. What happens is we, we suffer from a bit of the, sometimes what I call the post-conference blues. You know, I've seen it happen in different ways. I've seen some, uh, some teams go on a missions trip and they see a tremendous amount of, of spiritual activity. They see people getting saved on the foreign field and they, they see God working in their lives to the point that it's so memorable. You know, they'll, they'll, have, uh, they'll just have great, tremendous memories about it. And then they come home and no one else seems to be excited. No one else seems to have been affected. And I watch them. I've watched young people. I've watched those who are not so young even come back. And they, they are on this spiritual plane that they just, they, they, just, they just look at it and go, wow, what a time. And then they come back and I watch them just go through the blues. They go through and suddenly it's back to the norm. The things that they struggled with, the things that they were facing previously, and they're just going through that and and yet they're looking at that time, and we've got to manage that. And there's times where we, we have those mountaintop experiences like perhaps Moses did, and we can fail to understand how then we ought to live when life becomes normal. I think I see, those, I see this in those who minister. After, after when it seems to be that there's great momentum in the ministry, there, there's great excitement, there's great joy, there's great energy in the place, and then suddenly, the normality of the ministry, the grit and grind of the ministry. You know, I, I suffered a bit of that on Thursday. You know, Wednesday, it was highlight as we closed off the conference. A lot of people hung, hung around and had great time of fellowship. And you know, um, I woke up Thursday morning, and honestly, I didn't want to get out of bed. And you know what dawned on me? Sunday is coming. Got to have a message. I got to seek the Lord and 
the, back to that grit and grind of getting in the Word of God and trying to study and trying to discern what God wants. And, and, and there's a, there needs to be a managing of that in our hearts. And, you know, I think that it's in those times, those transition times that often derail all of what God has done in our lives in those mountaintop experiences. Because I don't know about you, I want, it to, I want it to linger, I want it to be something that God uses in my life, but I also understand that I've got to also then come back down. That, that my life isn't lived really on the mountaintop, my life is lived as I come down. And we've got to, we've got to understand that in our own lives, and, and I want to tell you, I want to show you a couple of times in, in different places in Scripture where this was a reality, and maybe learn some lessons this morning as we come back to our norm, come back to now a time where we're, it's no, no longer conference. It's no longer this time where there's a great buzz, there's a great time in the church. And, and whilst we understand that God did that, we also understand that God is still present. And that God doesn't just live in those moments, but that God actually continues with us. And so we'll ask the Lord to help us this morning and then we'll get into get into the message. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for the time again. And Lord, we need you this morning to just encourage our hearts about the fact that, Lord, you, you, you want to continue with us there, Lord, and that, Father, we, we rejoice in all that you've done in the, the past couple of days, but rejoice even more that, Lord, you, you still want to continue. You still want to work in our hearts. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would help us even this morning as we open your word Pray that you'd, you'd help us, Lord, to, to understand, I guess, the dynamic of these things in our lives. And then, Father, just carry this on as we seek you for, for tomorrow and seek you for today. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. I want to tell you that often reality hits harder after the heights. Um, we read there in, in uh, Exodus chapter 32, but notice uh, with me verse 7 after that time where, where really the, the, Moses was, was in, a, in, a, in a state with the Lord there of, of fellowship, of closeness, and God revealing certain things in, for Moses to do. Notice verse 7, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go get thee down for thy, for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. You know, the, the reality for Moses was he was going to have to go get thee down. The reality for Moses, though, was there was still a people to lead. And, and sadly, in this situation, they corrupted themselves. So imagine the dealings that he had with God, all of the, the, the specific things that God was showing him through, through his fellowship with him. And yet here was God telling him, go down, because here's the reality of it. And, and often reality hits harder after the heights. And, and no doubt... Uh, Sometimes when we come into a time like we've had where it's a bit of a bubble time, it's a bit of a non-normal non time where we're fellowshipping and all of that, we can come and then sometimes it hits the loneliness of not having everyone around. And I know young people this week who they had suddenly all of these friends who were talking the same, who were desiring the same things, who were uh, hearing the things from God like they did and they were talking about that and then the next day, with a little bit of tears, where's all my friends? <laughs> and sometimes we can get a little bit about that with, with our lives and, and start to sort of look at that. But you know what happens is, is the reality of life often hits harder when you've reached the heights. And, and I think about that in, even in the life of the Lord Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 6. 
Luke chapter 6, and we'll turn to our Bible a little bit this morning. I hope you've got it handy. Luke chapter 6, and notice verse 12 there with me. Appreciate you turning there. Look at verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So we see here the example, we understand that the Lord Jesus is God, but here he was communing with God the Father. And he spent in the mountain some time to pray, and he continued all night in prayer to God. And then verse 13, and when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew's brother James and John, and so he names his disciples, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotus, and Judas the brother of James, and Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. So there's this tremendous time where, where he's, he's gotten the, the leadership of God the Father in his life to, to choose out those that he was going to invest his time on earth with. And then notice what happens in verse 17, and he came down with them. And he stood in the plain and the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Zidon, which came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And they that were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for there went virtue out of him and healed them all. You know what happened? After the heights of being alone with God, after the heights of that special dealing with the Father, after the height of choosing out the 12, you know what, what confronted even the Lord Jesus? More work. The reality of the multitude, the reality of those that, that he had been called to minister to, the reality that there was still a need. And so the Lord Jesus himself, he went through that. We see it in the life. Look at First Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. And here's another personality in Scripture that we might be familiar with. Here's uh, uh, Elijah. Elijah, who had just seen a great victory wrought. Elijah, who had prayed that there would be no rain for those seven years. And suddenly, God said, now rain is going to come. And he runs off. He sees that, that, that uh, this, this, great, uh, this, this great rain that had come. Elijah runs down. And notice what happens in verse 1 and in chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And, and great things were done for the Lord, right? And withal now he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow after this time. You know what that was? It was a death threat. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah and his servant. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And notice that the, after this great height, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. You, you see the contrast in Elijah's life one minute? Sees the rain come down one minute. He's running faster than a chariot down a hill. One minute he's seeing all of this happen for the Lord. And then what he finds is the enemies were still persistent. What he finds is the spiritual warfare, the, the warfare that was real was still there and he still had to face the enemy. 
And what we're going to find in our lives is often reality hits harder after the heights. You know, life is full of normalizing next events. You know, the reality of the human condition is, again, what goes up must come down. And Moses' mountaintop experience, it didn't promise that everyone else was having one. There are always forces at play that cause us to come back to reality and be confronted, even at times confronted harshly. I think about the euphoria of graduating, and some of you, you're looking forward to that this year. You're heading into that time where you finished high school, you're finally done, and you get there, and then for like some of us, a couple of days later, suddenly the end of year exam results come out, and how deflating is that? You know, the euphoria of that. And then suddenly, you know, more than that, you realize adulthood is around the corner. <laughs> Reality. And, and it hits you harder when you're in the heights. And you know what you'll find? Sometimes it's disappointing responses. Now, the reality that Moses faced, he, he just saw that the very finger of God right on the tables of stone. Moses wouldn't have expected to come down and then see the people naked and dancing around a golden calf. What a letdown. And how we respond to these disappointing responses can make or break us. And yet the, the meekest man to have ever lived, we see here, he, he lashed out in frustration over the carnal responses of God's people. What did he do? He threw down the tables of stone, didn't he? And, and you know, how we, how we come to, to acknowledge the fact that, you know, sometimes we can have great heights, but there can also come disappointing responses. I remember when I came back from, from conference years ago, here just down the road there in Kippering, there was a big summer conference and God really spoke to my heart. I surrendered to the ministry and I remember coming to, back to Sydney with a, a great sense of anticipation of what God was going to do. And what we did back then was we had testimony time, the, the, the next available service that we were going to have. And for us, that was a Sunday evening. And so we came on a Sunday evening, and it was all daylight savings, so it was still daylight. And I remember coming into the auditorium, and the pastor said, hey, I want you to give a testimony of what God did for you. So, you know, um, I, I didn't do, uh, it wasn't, I remember coming up there, and I was just so nervous. I didn't know what to say, and I just blurted out the first thing that came to my mind. And I said, you know, by the grace of God, I'm going to be the next youth pastor of this church. And I got so excited that, oh, maybe that is what God wants me to do. And so I came down and from the platform and we had the service. And, you know, afterwards, I had a few people say, oh, you know, thank you for that. And then about the second or third person came up to me and said, really, you? That was it, you? And, and I can't see you working with the youth. Well, I, yeah, I'm 16, you know. <laughs> I was thinking a little bit further down the road. But it was just this, this, it was disappointing. I thought everyone would be for me. I thought everyone would experience what I experienced. But you know what? Not everyone saw it. And you imagine Moses here who had just a, a really a direct working of the Lord in his life and suddenly these people? And how we manage that? Maybe you've already faced some opposition. You know, I've, I've known a lot of young people who get all fired up from youth camp and they come home and, and it was the very people that they thought would be supportive would say, oh, you're just being emotional. 
Oh, you're just responding because, you know, that's how everyone else responded. And we understand that that's the capacity for mankind not only to be an encouragement, but a discouragement is very real. And so we see that, that we've got to understand that. But then we see also that even in the life of Jesus, what we learned is that there's demanding responsibilities. And I think we heard a little bit about that, that sometimes when even when we seek for rest, that there's still demanding times in our lives. And those, the responsibilities that we left off for a certain period of time to pause, to have a focused time of God's working in our lives can sometimes be neglected and forgotten until we get back and the, the demanding responsibilities are there again. You know, Jesus still had the multitude. Moses still had a nation to lead through the wilderness. Uh, we see Elijah still had those things that he needed to take care of and there's demanding responsibilities. I'm saying this was the reality that Jesus and his newly appointed disciples faced. The demand of the ministry is ever too far around the corner. It is never too far around the corner. You know, you, you come and you, you hope to just take a little bit of time, but something comes. You know, I think Brother Skelly said it best, you can't schedule your problems. You can't schedule those. Sometimes they just come. Sometimes it's needful to, to address and many of us, you've got responsibilities that were waiting for you as soon as, as soon as the week was done and tomorrow even. We've, we've come away, we set aside a day where we fellowship together, where we get excited about the things of God and yet tomorrow might be those demanding responsibilities that are still right there. And you know what you'll find also? The reality of, of determined resistance. And that's what happened with Elijah. You know, Jezebel was still alive and kicking. <laughs> she still had a vendetta against Elijah. She still was there. And, and what you find in your life is that those spiritual forces are still there. Hey, listen, the, the warfare doesn't pause for us. It doesn't. You know, what I find hilarious at times with these, uh, these, these movies and shows that, about superheroes and um, there was a particular one that uh, we, used to, we used to watch as kids. And some of you might know this. I was a 90s kid, all right? It was Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, it's so funny when they're transforming into their superhero selves, how the villains pause to allow them to, to actually transform. You know, it doesn't happen that way in reality. The, the, the enemy forces at play... Don't pause until you get your bearings once you come down from the mountaintop. And maybe you've experienced that this week already, a heightened attack. You know, what we've seen this, this week is, is some spiritual activity that has led to some victories in people's lives. Do you think for a second that the enemy is happy about that? Not at all. And what we're going to find and what I've found in my own life is even a, a greater wrestling a greater wrestling of those spiritual forces in my life. Why? Because we've just seen some great things done for the Lord. And the reality is it hits harder when you come from the heights. It hits harder when you've seen some things done for the Lord. And, and I want to remind you this morning, we have a persistent enemy. We have one who's a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. He, he doesn't rest from that. His forces don't rest from that. And listen, we can find our rest in the Lord, but we ought to just be reminded and, and, and actually just be aware that those things are reality and, and the, 
reality sometimes hits harder. Maybe you were wrestling previously, but you know what I'm going to tell you? If you were part of it and God did something in your life, then listen, it's going to hit even harder. And we've got to guard ourselves. I, I mentioned to the church, beginning, uh, heading into a time of conference, how much we ought to guard our hearts, how much we ought to guard our relationships, how much we ought to guard our walk with God. And I want to tell you again, I want to repeat it to you this morning, guard yourself. Keep your heart. Now's not the time for us to just let our guard down. No, it's even more so. We've seen God do some things, and we ought to praise God for that, and we ought not to quickly get over it. I'm saying, though, that reality hits harder when we've come from the heights. And we better guard ourselves. We better come in the, in the power of His might. We better come with the full force of the spiritual armor that God has given us, and we better just be mindful that we still have a determined resistance. And yet what we find is, is this time in Moses' life actually was the commandment of God. You know, verse 7 wasn't his idea. Actually, it was God's. He said, the Lord said unto Moses, go get thee down. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not always the case that God wants to prolong our mountaintops because there's still a work to do. And here's what I want to tell you, that when it comes to regression to the mean, coming back to the norm, that onward is always God's plan. That, that, that pausing is part of His plan, but going is still part of His plan. This was God's will for Moses. It was upon God's insistence that he goes. It was God's will for the disciples. It was their call to, to minister. It was God's will for Elijah Although his response was lacking at times, but God still used him. Now, I want to tell you that that onward, it is. It's, you know, again, the question was asked, oh, should we prolong it? Should we go and keep going? And, and, you know, I did, I thought about it for a little bit. But you know what I, I realized? Those asking, they were ministering themselves. They had a work to still do. There were those who had to travel a couple of hours, many hours to go and they're doing what I'm doing this morning. They're preaching. There are those who are serving in, in their local churches. There's still a work to do and we don't know. This could be the day that a, a visitor comes and comes to know the Lord as their Savior. This could be the day as they have been encouraged and helped that they could help that falling brother or help that discouraged sister or come to the, to, to the place where they're strengthened again to help others around. And, and what I'm saying is that Although sometimes we want to prolong those things that God has, has placed in our lives for those mountaintop experiences, actually the part of His will and part of the reason why He even did that was to get us down, to help us keep going. And onward is always God's plan. And onward brings us to a place actually of further communing with God. Because later on, Later on, it came to pass in verse 30 that Moses said unto the people, Ye have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. You know what it allowed for Moses to do? It allowed for more communing with God. It allowed for more times with the Lord. And you know, our, our, our dealing with the normal, it ought to get us to seek the Lord more. That, that's the point. It, there, there's opportunities for us to spend more time with the Lord seeking after Him. And, you know, onward, it brings us to a place of fulfillment of our responsibilities. And again, whilst those pauses can help us strengthened, be strengthened for the work, there's still yet the work to be done. 
And there's still responsibilities. He says in verse 34 there, so he goes back up, he communes, he gets the second tablets of stone. He says in verse 34, therefore now, go, lead the people unto the place. You know what he told Moses? There's still a journey. There's still a work. And, and you know, we're not, we're not called to be a commune. We're called to be a church that's on the go. And, and, you know, whilst we look forward to perhaps the next time, that ought not to be the, our, our number one priority. Our number one priority ought to get us back to that responsibility that we have for the Lord, get us back to the work that He's called us. And, you know, great experiences aren't supposed to be an excuse to neglect our duties. It's meant to further us in our duties. And, you know, sometimes we can get into the mode and, and we sometimes get into this mode of just living from week to week, Sunday to Sunday, or conference to conference. Sometimes we think that, oh, that, that's the thing that we need to rely on to get us going. But the, the reality is, though, as God gives us responsibility, God also gives us the ability, right? And, and actually, the, the mountaintops are for our normalities. It's for the norms. It's meant to give us momentum in that. And, and we can't just live on a constant uh, up and down in our lives looking for that. And you know what Onward does? It brings us to a place of further dependence on Him. Because Moses had to learn to come to God even in the norm. Moses had to learn that God was always there. Moses had to re recognize that he, had to, he could go to God. That this is exemplified really in Elijah. In Elijah's case, you know, we even find that God sought him. You know, our theme this, this week is let us return, and often we do. But you know who also seeks us out? You know, the, the Lord Jesus seeks us out. And maybe in this week, as you've, you've been weary, maybe you have felt a little tired after the week, and you're sort of going in that, that lull of after conference. I want to tell you, God hasn't missed you. He's still there for you. You can still seek God out. You can still come to Him. It, it doesn't need to be a preacher up here. It doesn't need to be that we come together and, and all of those are great. But listen, you could have sought Him. You could have come to Him. You could have gone up to the mountaintop. You could have gone in the, the Word of God. You could have come uh, on your knees in prayer. You could have just had the time with the Lord. In fact, that's the point. We're supposed to go onward. That's always God's plan. And we can, we can as a church and each and every one of us understand that He's available. And at the end of the day, really our dependence can't be on the event. Our dependence can't be on the mountaintops. It's got to be on the God of the mountaintop. And we see this in, in, again in the life of the disciples. Look at, look at Luke chapter 9 and we'll be nearly done. Luke chapter 9. And then also pick up first, uh, Second Peter. But let's start in Luke chapter 9. And uh, notice with me verse, verse 28. And it came to pass about an eighth day after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white and glistering. And notice here we see Moses and Elijah. 
And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. So they're speaking about the Lord's death. Notice Peter, though. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. They were having a, some time of fellowship up there. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter say, said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone, and they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. So it's a miraculous event. We see that Jesus takes them up to the mount. You know, they fall asleep, they wake up, and they see Jesus with Moses and Elijah. Imagine that. And Peter's attitude was, let's stay here. <laughs> let's put some tabernacles. Let's just prolong this. And, and Jesus, you don't know. And, and it was for a time is what I'm saying. It was for a time is what Jesus was saying. And, and look at Second Peter chapter 1 because Peter reflects a little about this. Second Peter chapter 1. He reflects a little about this, this happening in his life. And notice verse 17. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So that's when it happened, right? It says, In this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So he's reflecting on this and then notice what he says in verse 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpre interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now we often focus on verses 19 to 21, uh, the, just the doctrine of the word of God, how it arrived, it was given to, through holy men of God and and they were said, right, and they wrote, right? And we see that, we, we understand the doctrine, it's of no private interpretation. But the context of that was, was Peter was comparing his experience on the mountaintop with, the, with Moses and Elijah and Jesus. And he's saying, you know, I have something more sure than that event in my life. I have something more sure. And you know, whilst it's a, it's a, it's, it's a valid memory to hold on to. What he was saying was, what's more valid in my life is actually the Word of God that I have. And listen, you know, many times we could just sort of wish things were permanent that were meant to be temporary. We can wish that, boy, I wish every day was like conference. Boy, I wish every day I had people around me. Boy, I wish every day I heard some some tremendous preaching to keep me going. Boy, I wish every day there would be those that would sing and edify us through song, and I'm glad for that. Boy, I wish it was every day that we could have morning tea with everyone. Boy, I wish it was every day that we could do that. But here's the thing. God's plan is that it was temporary. And what God wants temporary, we can't make permanent. But what is permanent 
is actually the thing that made all the difference. It was the Word of God anyway. And listen, we do have the Word of God. We have a more sure Word. And don't let your waiting for the next special time get in the way of what God wants to do now. Don't allow yourself to live in the memory and rob yourself of God's furthering both now into the future. And let's not be naive to think that God can only do what He's already done. And no more. Because I want to tell you that God wants to do something in your life today. God doesn't need a special dealing. We've already got the actors. We've already got God. And we've already got His Word. And we've already got the access to heaven like we should. And, and Moses, in his life, he saw more miracles. He, he saw more complaining too, by the way, but he saw more miracles. Jesus and his disciples saw more people healed, had more mountaintop experiences, and he fulfilled his mission. Elijah got to anoint his successor, Elisha, who did twice as much as he did. And what I'm saying is the story doesn't end at mountaintops. They actually just begin and they start. And what we do with our regression to the mean will determine how we go for the Lord. You know, we, we see the Lord Jesus. He had some mountaintop experiences. But it was there on Mount Calvary where he was crucified, he bled, he died. But you know, the story didn't stop there because his average, his normal was actually always miraculous because then he rose again the third day. And I want to I tell you that there's times where we think it's done, but God still has a plan. Where we think, well, that, that we can't reach those heights anymore. Listen, God still, just journey on is what I'm saying. And this week, listen, this week, there's no conference, so... Please don't be here. We won't be here. We'll be around, but there won't be special music unless you want Barnsley singing, right? But uh, we might organize that. No. Um, there, there might, there, you might expect some things around, but you know, there, there might be a little, little weary pastor who's sometimes a little grumpy because he he's a bit tired still. But we come to the norm and it's how we handle that that actually will make all the difference. It's, it's how we come down and we deal with sometimes disappointing responses. How, how we deal with demanding responsibilities. How we deal with those things that just are, are just part of the norm. The, the, the determined resistance that is still there, the spiritual warfare. It's how we deal with that after the mountaintop that will help us and actually will make all the difference. And so I want to remind you that actually we have all we need. Yes, we have the memories. Yes, we have the, the afterglow of a great time. But, you know, ultimately what we have is the thing that counts the most. It's the Word of God. We have a more sure word of prophecy. You know, tomorrow God can give you the thought that you need if you just open the Word of God. If you just come to the mountain. If you just go up again. If you would just come to a place of just dependence on Him, you know what we're going to find? you're going to find you have what you need. And before long, you come around and another thing will come and we get to see God work again. But God can work every day. And I want to encourage you, church, because we have had a great time. But let's keep it going. Let's, let's trust the Lord. Let's just seek Him and let's see what God can do in our everyday because God works in our everyday. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had in your word. Lord, thank you for the, the great week. 
And, and yet, Lord, we understand that it was a, a season, it was a time. And now we go onward with great joy, with great rejoicing in you, with great momentum knowing that, Lord, you work in our everyday. And so we love you, Lord. We thank you. We pray that you just, Lord, be exalted in, our, in, in each of us as we go ahead this week. And we give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. All right, let's all stand.